0: Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought,
1: powered
2: by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first,
0: On Second Thought.
2: On Second Thought, episode 251, brought to you by Hook'em.com. Our great friends at Bud Light, said Golden here as usual with the Duck Kirk Bowles. And Kirk Bowles football season starts this weekend. I know we had a football that just ended, but we got local football. Austin FC meets up with Cincinnati in the season opener, MLS, 5 o'clock Saturday at the Q. And we're so blessed to be joined by sporting director, Claudio Arena. Claudio, how are you today, sir?
3: Very good. Thanks for having me. Doing all right. Enjoying the nice chilly weather. But all good. <laughs> yeah, why we got some why, new lie?
2: why lie? Why lie? to us? You don't like this. You can't like
3: this. <laughs> that's right. No, it's uh, it's good soccer weather. You can run. You can run more. So that's the positive side of
1: it. So. <laughs> yeah, you're used to this. So I mean, you've been. you've been down here. Two years two and a half years how long have you been down here claudio
3: well um given the whole pandemic situation I did spend some time in New York so kind right. of yeah so officially two and a half years sort of you know but without some time in new york as well in in 2020 and in uh, but all of 2021 i was I was in Austin pretty much the entire last year so. Um, I got the I got to uh, experience that beautiful storm about this time last year. <laughs> oh and, uh, wow! And um, you know, but really, really enjoying it. It's a great city, and uh,
1: you know, love love everything about Austin. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, well year one's in the books. Year two is uh, starting on Saturday, as Cedric just said. Uh, how would you? Uh, say the mood and the emotions are? Is there a little more calm now that you've already experienced the year? What would you say the emotions are for you and this team right now, Claudio?
3: Yeah, it's, it certainly feels more normal um, in terms of a season going into it and preparing. This time last year, we were very isolated given the COVID protocols. And as an expansion team, to, to not be able to come together. Um, and I mean, staff as much as players, as much as everybody, you know, interacting, getting to know each other, um, getting to understand how people work was really inhibited. Um, and so we don't have that this year. We're at, we're at our beautiful St. David's performance center facility. Um, you know, guys are settled and there's just a, better understanding of of how how things work you know and it's a sort of a big lift to get a franchise up and going and systems up and running it is isn't a snap of the finger type of uh situation so you know it's, it was it was unusual for sure last year and then on top of it we, we we were on the road for nine of the first 10 games so the it was an unbalanced schedule where we had to really catch up in the summer and and um you know and weren't able to play games like we are this weekend in February and March. So, you know, it's a lot of learnings, but absolutely so many high moments, exciting moments for the club. Um, just seeing the supporters come come behind the team and the club and create an atmosphere unlike anything else really or, or many other places in MLS. So just an excitement for sure last year, and, and it's motivated us heading into year two.
2: You know, you mentioned last season uh, opening up eight straight road games, which, in my mind, is just a it's a killer. I mean, uh, you'll call it what you want, but it puts you at a disadvantage early. Uh, uh, even if it is the start of the season, travel drains legs, and you bet you spent a couple of months on the road and add in COVID uh, this season. You play five of your first eight at the house. Uh, how excited are the guys about sleeping in their own beds? And um, you know, not having to live in an airport for the first part of the season.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, nice to think of us having games in, in early in the year, and you know, and also when you go on the road, you get to come back home quickly and get in front of your fans, and and so all of that. Even even our first few games were kind of a novelty, and it was a they were events as well, and. You know, you could re- really see us sort of settling into the Q2 as a team, as the season progressed, you know, after the summer and, and getting really good results. And that for us is important this year. We need to make the, you know, Q2 a fortress for us and a place that nobody wants to come play in um, and be difficult to beat, you know, have exciting nights. And that's for us a big priority. And And last year also, besides being on the road, you know, there was – A lot of protocols in place where we had to fly in the day of games as well, um, which is very unusual. If you're going to play a team, you know, that's three hours away, two and a half hours, you typically go the night before. So there was, there was a lot of like, you know, unusual situations. I mean, we never made excuses though. And I, that's what I really like about the boys and the coaching staff who just kept looking forward and, you know, and, and so we're excited about this, this, this season.
2: So are you saying, that you guys have to like fly into a, a a road opponent? Did you go straight to the game and then check in the hotel after the game? I mean, that just, that sounds so rushed.
1: No. It's crazy.
3: Well, we would get, uh, we would get a couple of hours to eat and, you know, sort of the players can lay down a little bit, but uh, you know, we flew in the day after to many of our games, you know, up until June. So it's, it's, it, yeah, it's pretty much a quick turnaround. Um, you do fly charter, obviously. So there's some benefits. You're not going to hit any delays or, you know, for the most part. But it is, it is a, it was a strange situation. And, uh, but again, the boys are really determined all year and didn't let anything get in the way of it. And so looking into, looking forward to this year, I think there's, you know, I guess I said the word, some more normalcy in, in our season and our preparations.
1: Well, it seemed like year one, Claudio was, basically known for two things you, you all were just a huge success off the pitch obviously rabid fan base the novelty uh is still there it seems like it doesn't seem like it's worn off you are the only one to sell every ticket you lead the league in merchandising just just a roaring success and then on the field not quite as good uh, offensively challenged 35 goals fewest in the league i think your differential was minus 21 um So how do you reconcile that? You know, the novelty and the fan base is still there and behind you totally. Uh, How much better offensively are y'all going to be? You're going to average five or six goals a game, I'm assuming, right?
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think uh, a better balanced squad this year. We had, uh, unfortunately, four season-ending injuries, you know, I think five games into the season, which impacted – some of our output, but I think, uh, you know, by, by committee, uh, we'll, we'll score more goals. We also feel confident that we're going to be stronger defensively and then being able to, you know, have the mentality collectively that if, you know, if we do go down in a goal that we can come back and win a game, Uh, I think last year too often, you know, we went down and we weren't weren't able to get back into the game despite efforts. So we got to like flip that around, but we have, you know, we have more, quality to choose from. The, the team is built out more. I think uh, there's many more players that are used to how we play, how we train, the league as well. They were very new to it. So a lot of uh, optimism in, in all of that and that we, you know we, despite only scoring 35 goals, we were um, there, there is data points that show how many chances we create, which is really high. And, and our expectation of scoring goals was higher than what it turned out to be. So I think there's still some positives that, you know, we're a team that did create chances. Um, we just weren't able to convert. Um, and so to an, a certain extent, that also is, is something that we're going to look to improve on.
2: So Cecilio Dominguez and Diego Fagundes are back. They, led, they each scored seven goals to lead you guys last year. And I know you, you have higher expectations of them this season. You bring in newcomers like uh, Striker Max, Rudy, uh, who was uh, one of the championship game heroes in Portland, uh, Ethan Finley, winger. Um, how important was it for you to bring in guys who have been in winning situations uh, to help a young franchise, uh, not, not only on the pitch, but especially in the locker room?
3: Yeah, it's a big part of it. You know, Max Arruti is a, is a experienced leader he has been in this league and many teams and he, you know, works really hard, not just in a game, but day to day. And that goes the same with Ethan Finley and Philippe. So we brought, you know, guys who understand this league and understand what it takes to win. <clears throat> and it is so much more than the X's and O's and, you know, and scoring and defending. It's uh, the day to day standard that, that's created on the field and all those guys bring it. So they're great teammates um, to our younger guys. They're very inclusive. They don't put their own, um, you know, importance in front of the team. And that's just what we needed to add to the group. So excited about all those guys, excited about, you know, the younger players growing as well and having a, a year under their belt. And, um, you know, there was certainly a lot, of, a lot of learnings last year that we just talked to the players and a lot of positives as well that they need to understand that, you know, I truly believe like we weren't that far away last year. You know, we got always – which didn't really make us feel that much better, but it's nice to hear from within the community of guys that I work with that you know there was a you could see that our style of play and how we wanted to play was clear. We were not an easy team to play against, um, you know. And, and so there's there's just that dialing it up in all aspects a little bit of dialing up across the board and will make a big difference. And you know, being extremely competitive is is something that we want to be. We want to be a competitive team that you know, just hates losing. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of what you're seeing. And those guys that you mentioned are a big part of that.
1: One guy I like to talk about is Musa Gta I mean, impressive specimen. I'm telling you, he, he said, I've compared it to LeBron James. You look at him and boy, he's just built and, uh, you know he's got a lot of potential. It seemed like a young guy didn't score a lot. He maybe kind of roamed around a little bit too much on the pitch. Uh, what do you look for from him? Uh, does he need more structure? How do you see him improving and becoming a better player, Claudio? Well, I think
3: Musa, just from the experience of, of uh, having been on our team and our league, is going to benefit. Again, he's one that falls in the category of this is all new from moving. From France and uh, new country, new league. And, you know, you could see him much more settled in now. And uh, he did make a big impact with his strength. And he's a different type of profile than a Max Arruti. So sometimes you need someone stronger who can hold the ball up and, and let your attack join in the rest of your teammates. And he does that. But he does have quality to score as well. And you know, for him, it's it's a big adjustment off the field that he's improving on, and you know, learning the language, and soon having his family over as well. His wife, we're trying to get her over here. So these are these are some sort of uh, behind the scenes, sort of private, you know, kind of situations as well that we're we're trying to work on.
1: Does he speak Texan yet, Claudio?
3: Uh I do any, he's any of us. There, he's there. He speaks uh French and a little bit of English, so but he may, may learn Texan, is right. Uh, we we both speak a little bit of English as well.
2: Just a little bit.
1: <laughs> and then Sebastian Drusy, uh, what are you looking for him? What kind of uh impact do you think he'll have on the season this year?
3: Well, Sebastian's a special player and his quality and creating chances but he also works for the team all around he's a fantastic player i don't want to just put him in the category as a as an offensive sort of player but that is certainly where we'll be leaning on him to be the the player that unlocks defenses with assist with great runs he's he makes really good runs into the box but again i don't want to you know underestimate uh his his ability to work for the team which really sets the tone for us he's a hard-working player and and a great guy who's really enjoying his time and he can really be a big impact player not only for us but in mls as well you guys finished 9 21 and 4
2: uh 12th in the west under uh, coach josh wolf and projected to be somewhere similar by odds makers but what do they know um I'm interested to know your first gig as sporting director of uh, New York city FC. You, you had a losing season 10, 17 and seven, but you turned that around in year two and you went to the conference semis four straight years. What lessons do you take from that experience and how can you apply that to Austin? Cause uh, you, you look like a kingmaker right after you had some struggles in that first season.
3: Yeah. I mean, you gotta, obviously the squad is a big part of it. Um, you know, obviously, leadership—you know—off uh, the field as well is important with coaching staff, and Josh has done a really good job bringing the team together. Um, so, you know, just making um, slight adjustments as well. It's not always wholesale changes, and but also continuing to believe in what you believe in. And so, there was a style of play that we believed in in New York that it still exists, and it's the same idea here. You gotta, you gotta believe in creating a style of play that. Doesn't happen overnight either, um, and it takes more more time and into second years and and so that's kind of where we're where we're at right now. And uh, the league is is really challenging. It's tough, probably even more so than than back then with the amount of money that's being invested and um, and all the new franchises are and it's just a bigger league. We're up to twenty eight teams. So yeah, it's a lot of learnings for sure from that. And uh, uh, you know, I feel good about where the club's going. And, um, but this is, but also we're a unique situation. here. it's different, you know, we're in Austin. Um and so the, the uniqueness is this connectivity with the fans. And I think they're going to play a huge part in our success as we continue to build from year to year. You, you so, guys, yeah. you had, you had it going in New York
2: and you probably could have stayed in New York. You'd still be there now. And you came close to breaking through um, and, and winning it all of uh, why Austin and um what was it the allure of building something again from the ground up and to that end, what's more difficult starting an expansion club or breaking through to try and win a championship?
3: Well, they're both challenging. And I did uh, remember telling myself that I would, I would never do it again. After, the-
1: <laughs>
3: but, uh, There you go. I, I just, the challenge really of, of doing it again, you know, they' you know, in New York, it came to a, a point where the team was very much on autopilot, was one of the best teams in the league, one of the best academies. It took a lot of work, you know, five, six, seven years, but the team was already competing at a high level. Um, and so it just felt like an, a great opportunity, a new life challenge, and being able to move somewhere I've never lived. And and then of course the, the leadership we have here with our ownership and the potential of doing something unique, in a great city like Austin was really enticing. And, you know, and it was just a, a new challenge more than, more than anything, just again, the, the amount of work. And again, I've been reminded quickly that it's, it's certainly not easy, but we're moving in the right direction and we have all the pieces here to, to be a successful club. And I guess one of the goals is not just a sort of a success for one year, but really year on year that you continue to build and, and compete in a very competitive league all the time that that's, that's our goal really is to have consistency and compete year in and year out and not just sort of every other year. Um, you know, so that, that, that ultimately is what we're trying to build here. There's so much more still to be done with our Academy. We're starting a a second team next year. Um, and our first team, obviously being the priority to, to continue to move that along, but, you know, we have a lot of good pieces and good people here. Um, and we have the fan base, incredible home and Q2 stadium. So yeah, everything's in place here. And for me, it was just an amazing opportunity to try to bring my experiences and expertise from my life and career to a new area and just bring people together. Really. It's there's, there's no secret. It's always about bringing everybody together and learning from mistakes. And, you know, it's not easy. None of this is easy for sure. Else we wouldn't be doing it, but you know, it's, it's certainly challenging a lot of fun to, to kind of, get the opportunity to do something like this again
1: you mentioned josh uh, a couple of times claudio uh being a head coach in the league is obviously different than, than being an assistant and you know you're an old teammate of of josh's so what were his struggles like and the growing pains as being a head coach in the mls how do you think he'll be different this season
3: I think it'll be different just from the experience he had, really. Again, you, you, there's nothing like going through it. And I think we all can ex, we kind of share that in whatever we do. And he was an assistant coach, uh, a very good one, running practices, being around players. But regardless, it still doesn't prepare you for being the head coach. And so there's, you know, he realized that. he's He self-reflects all the time. And, <clears throat> and you could just see how he got better as the year went on and then being able to have the off season to look back and see the areas that <clears throat> could be improved upon. And, you know, but again, it's just experience. And I've spoke to many, many, many coaches over, over uh, my career. And, you know, they all tell you that first year is unlike any other. And so you had to kind of go through it really. That's another no way to say it. you got to be able to kind of uh, fall over a little bit and like learn and, but the good thing he's always was leaning on whether it was assistant coaches and other staff to continue to improve on on how to make the day to day better and prepare for each game. <clears throat> and you can see him much more comfortable going into this year, you know, just just for having the experience more than anything else. Well,
2: last one for me, uh, and this is on a personal note. I was uh, just doing a little research. You're selling as a midfielder. For, for a German team, uh, Borussia Dortmund, under 19. How often do you and your wife uh, get to see him? And uh, where do you guys live in the off season? And uh, what's that family dynamic like with him traveling all over Europe?
3: Yeah, well, he lives in Europe, so he plays in Germany. And, yeah, he's uh, far away, seven hours time zone. So it's, it's not easy. We speak every day. I have uh, – two kids here. So Austin is home for us. So we, we sometimes go to Florida New York and during holidays, but we're very much Austinites now. And yeah, we, we try to interchange the the times to go over and visit him. My wife is there now um, for a few weeks and I'll try to get over. I have, I have fewer days available to squeeze it in, but I will try to get over and see him uh, actually maybe pretty soon. So you know it's fun. You know we miss him. We're a tight family, and so it's tough to not be able to be around him and help him because he's still just 19 years old. But um, you know he's living his dream, and you know kind of how, living his life on his own and how cool going was that incredible experiences. Yeah, it's amazing. I couldn't believe it, and uh, proud of all my kids. They're all they're all uh, you know we're really tight, and he's he's uh, just living sort of his dream. You always want to be a professional soccer player, and you know just to see his experience of growing up in another country. It's amazing. I had the same experience, so it's um, life wise there's nothing like it to be able to travel through sports and, and do what he's doing right now. So he's hopefully I'll get to see him soon and and uh, and he does return sometimes to play for US and the United States. So I get to try to get to some of those games as well.
1: And Claudio, last one for me, you you talked about wanting to build something successful in the long run and and be competitive. I know y'all want to be competitive uh, this year, starting out. What does is, what is your timetable look like uh, as far as, you know, obviously you want to win the cup and the supporter Shield and all that. that. Uh, what is the timetable? Do you think this could be a playoff team this year, or is that too uh, unrealistic and a little bit too fast?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh... – for sure a possibility you know the differences from year to year and team to team isn't that big we've really felt that last year we we were very competitive and so yeah we do believe that and so we have to believe that the team is motivated um you know we we do have a team in place that can compete and get to the playoffs so you know and then and then really every year continue to improve and you never know though there's been a lot of teams that kind of sneak into the playoffs and make a run uh, for the MLS Cup. But I think the ultimate goal really is is consistency from week to week and being able to compete against any team home and away, um, you know, and, and really feeling, you know, even disappointed when we win games. That's when a team's really arrived, you know, when, you, when oh yeah, you, their expectations and standards are so high that, you know, you're not happy with winning and, and not playing well. And so that's probably sort of that next, the next step that we have. Um, but yeah, we do feel good about our, our chances of, of making the playoffs this
1: year. And New York won last year, right? Yes. That's and right. Did you get a ring for that or half a ring or anything? Yeah. Or
3: I didn't get a ring, but I got, uh, I got a lot of great messages from all the staff. <laughs> well,
1: that's not the players same. <laughs> there, so thank
3: you many people. So it was, yeah, it was, you know, I knew basically everybody there and all the players and the majority of the players I'd, I brought to the club. So it was cool because I think, as I uh, said before, there was prior years where we probably deserved uh, also to make a, a run, but there's so much luck at the end. They won three penalty shootouts, but yeah. they, they did have a very good team and they they continue to again this year. So it's, it's great to see it. So, uh, for me, it was, it, was a, it was a nice feeling to see them get over the hump and win it.
1: Yeah, I think they were like fourth in the East, I think, and came on and won the whole thing, weren't they?
3: That's right. Yeah. It was like the lowest finish in yeah. the last four or five years. And and there it goes to show you that the MLS playoffs are a bit of a, you know, probably unlike any other sport, you know, really any team could win it. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, competitive, but we feel good for sure.
1: Well, hopefully uh, you get a ring here someday instead of just a bunch of great messages, I think. Yeah, it? exactly. Man, <laughs> we well, appreciate you being awesome. with us. Austin Thank FC. You
2: guys, yeah. Yeah, Austin FC opens up the season on Friday at the Q2 Stadium against FC Cincinnati at 5 o'clock Saturday. Single game tickets available at austinfc.com slash tickets. Claudio Reina, we appreciate you doing this, and we will we will chop it up again with you sometime during the season.
3: Thanks for joining us, yeah. my friend. Thank you, Kirk and Cedric. It was fun. Appreciate it. Thank we'll
1: care. see you on the Thanks, pitch man. on Saturday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, see you guys. Thank you.
4: On second thought.
2: Duck, great soccer conversations with Claudio Reina, but let's take it to the Diamond. Where Diamond Danny Davis joins us. And we got we got plenty to talk about. Uh we're gonna we're gonna go baseball first, and then we're gonna go fiery Vic Schaefer for second. <laughs> and a little bit of softball third. But let's start with baseball. Just rolled over rice like they didn't exist. 36-3 over three games. And they destroyed AM Corpus on Tuesday night. And as of this, they playing been playing AM Corpus on Wednesday, weather permitting. This weekend, a three-game set against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Getting ready for some of that SEC. There's some SEC coming up on this schedule Daniel what's going on
4: first off I'm just glad to be on this podcast I, I was looking I think it's been like four years and I know I know four my, years I think it's 2018 last time I was on this podcast and well let, well, let me ask you this I, I know my coaches that I cover they actually answer the phone and you'd rather talk with David and and uh <laughs> you know and and Vic than me but I was kind of getting a little tired of, of BD always always getting the call. I, I was getting a little jealous that I'm not getting that that BD love.
2: I got to ask you this though. I mean, I'm, I was you know you hosted a podcast, yes, for a did. couple of years, and I never got a call. I me never either. got a call. I
4: never. Yeah, I didn't. want to talk. Me and Mike didn't want to talk recruiting. I know you two didn't want to talk recruiting. So you know, I just wanted
2: to talk to you and Mike, right?
4: Uh, yeah, that's gonna all I wanted. A, I could have had us on second thought. You, we, you guys, you guys actually have people listening to your podcast. Nobody was listening to the Confidential, but I'm glad go- I'm glad to be here.
1: And you, and you know what? You better be careful now. Now you're on the list. Like, all right, let's call Danny again. He's going to be. Oh my God, those guys again. How many times do I have to do their podcast and bail their ass out? So, no, I, right. but he
2: is. He is right. We're never doing it. We're never going to get Sark. We're never going to get Sark.
1: Hey, I have done that. Last Saturday, and he said, eh, "Maybe, maybe no, after spring
2: no. training." No, and Beard and Beard will probably—I don't know. He no, says have, he beard. wants. We, we had, had we have had Beard, and he says he needs our help. He'll well, be Chris. Up. We need your help. I mm-hmm. I, I wonder. I right wonder now.
1: We need Danny's
2: help. We did have David Pierce, and look what's happened since he came on. The horns are rolling, uh, Danny. <laughs> What's gone into this explosion out of the gates? Meeting those early expectations with W's.
4: Uh, it's it's one of those things, and you know, Kirk can talk to this too, since he was out at the ballpark on on Sunday. Like, I just don't know what to think of this team. We know they're talented. We know they have high expectations. We know I'm fully expecting to be covering this team late into June. But what exactly should we take from these first five games? That Rice team was not good that rice program is not what that rice program was 10 15 20 years ago you know texas a&m corpus christi is texas a&m corpus christi nothing against the islanders but they're not texas and so you know we'll probably get a better idea of how good this texas team is this weekend alabama's a all right sec sec team and then next week when they go to houston for that you know that showcase where they're going to be playing at lsu they're going to be playing I'm um, a good Tennessee team that was in the world series last year. They're going to be playing UCLA. We'll get a better gauge of what this team is and what we should expect from this team going forward. But, you know, it's better than us talking about, Oh my God, you know, they struggle against rice. They struggle against a and Corpus Christi. I mean, they did, they did what they needed to do. The panic. There's no reason to hit a panic button. The pitching looked great. Hitting looked good. Ivan Melendez had probably the worst weekend out of everyone at the plate. And all he did was, you know, hit two moon shots to the moon. Um, when he, when he did, did get hits, they took walks. They, you know, played a pretty, there was one error, I think defensively, and that was a ball that maybe could have been scooped. Um, if that was Zach or you know, someone who was more experienced at first base, but Ivan's kind of getting accustomed to that position and getting used to it. So, you know, this team is what we expect them to be. There's no reason to be concerned. And, you know, we'll see when they actually had to face better competition, just where they're at. But yeah, if if you thought Texas was going to Omaha, you still think Texas is going to Omaha, and there's no reason to be concerned about the Horns based off their first uh, four or five games.
1: Yeah, that that was like a perfect w- weekend, and and Danny's right said, I mean, this is not your Wayne Graham's Rice team, and you know what's funny, Danny, is that you know you look at they had transferred Woodcocks from I think Texas Tech, and they had a Clemson transfer, an A and M transfer, but they got. The new coach, you know, the great Jose Cruz Jr. So uh they is he uh, great
2: or is his dad great?
1: He I was mean, great too. He was great in college. He wasn't a great pro. But, he took he took uh,
2: Houston street deep. I was at that yeah. game. Yeah, he was a, heck a, heck of a
1: college talent. But it, this was a below average rice team. I mean, to give, I think it was what twenty eight walks and hit six batters. That's atrocious. But like like Danny said, they started last year zero and three. Yeah, we're going uh oh. You know, against three SEC teams. So, and they're building confidence now. And the other thing, boy, they got some pitching depth, don't they, Danny? I, you know, I saw Duplantier look great on, was that Friday or Saturday? And then look great against AM Corpus Christi. But he's a he's a, a big guy who could help him, can he? Yeah, Dre pitched on
4: uh, Saturday, gave him an inning, was electric, I think two strikeouts and a ground up to, I think it was third base. And then last night, um, I think his start was four innings and looked looked good. Gave up yeah. a couple uh, infield singles or whatever that was. So, I mean, he's looked good. Um, you know, they're going to need him out of the bullpen. If they can give him a couple of midweek starts, that'd be that'd be good too. Travis Staley has looked really good. Um, you know, in his two appearances, they probably overextended him a little bit in the Friday in the Friday uh, you know, Friday appearance because he's really good for two, and then kind of ran into some trouble in the ninth when he went out for a third a third inning. Um, But we didn't really even see Aaron Nixon. I mean, Aaron Nixon came in for a pity appearance on Sunday just because they needed him to get some work done during the weekend. And he's going to be their big arm. So, I mean, they have arms for days. Um, They have some youth, some young guys coming up who are going to need some work in some of these midweek games. So pitching was never supposed to be the problem. It wasn't a problem last year. Um, It shouldn't have been a problem this year, even though Ty Madden's um, no longer at Texas. You know, I think the big concern was how can this team hit? How, how are they going to do offensively? And they certainly have answered all the questions so far. But once again, you know, I don't know if the pitching they're seeing is much better than if they scrimmaged like Travis High School um, down the road. So we'll see how they do um, against some against some better pitching because in the past strikeouts have been a problem. You know, hitting with some runners in scoring positions have been a problem, and they did have a couple issues in their first couple of games. But once again, it's I'm trying to do the math in my head and I'm not the math teacher in my family, but it's like 46 to three, um, over the first four games. So wow. offense wow. has not been an issue so far.
1: <laughs> and, you know, David Pierce was on with this uh, last week and told us, you know, about their defense and how strong they are up the middle, you know, with Daly and Faultini, you know, maybe the best double play duo in the nation. You got Hodo moved over to center, which is, you know, I don't know if it's an upgrade over Antico, but, Pierce is just raving about him, and then Silas Sardouan behind the plate. So, you're right. They got it all rolling, and it's uh, – I don't know how good Alabama is. Do you got any early word on them? Uh, will that be a, a, a strong test for the Horns, you think, Danny?
4: Stronger they, than Rice. They start – yeah, I mean, it's, uh, that's the thing. They started 3-0. I think they swept uh, Xavier. I didn't check this morning to see how they did yeah. last night in their midweeks, that two midweeks this week. Um, but they're better than rice. And this is an SEC team. This is the competition Texas is going to be facing in a couple, a couple of seasons. And this is a team that's used to play in the Arkansas used to play in the LSU's, used to play in the Tennessee. So, you know, they may not be a college world series team. They may not, may not be an NCAA tournament team, but they're going to be a battle tested program that Texas going forward is going to need to beat, um, in conference play. So this is a better test than what Texas, um, has gotten and it wouldn't be surprised if Alabama took one from the horns. You know, this is a, you know, a quality D one team, but you know, it's a better test than what Texas had um, to start the season. And I'm sure those guys are excited to actually play a team like Alabama as opposed Absolutely. to playing a team like Bryce.
1: Absolutely. It is
2: definitely Texas's best chance to beat Alabama in something in 2022. <laughs> I will say that Danny, I will say that hopefully Hopefully we'll all be uh, convening this fall for a rematch in another sport, but uh, gotta ask you about Pete Hansen. Uh, I mean we, we've seen we've seen some real bulldog Friday night starters. He's a bulldog mentally but but he's not bringing it 93 94 miles an hour. He ain't time mad. What's the concern uh, about Pete Hansen as your Friday night guy uh, when a pitch to contact guy? Who, do, who doesn't do it in the the Friday night mode that we have become accustomed to as people who
4: follow the program. I'm not sure if I necessarily have a concern with Pete Hansen. Um, To be honest, I kind of find that the concept of the Friday night guy to be a little overrated. Like he is the guy that kicks off the weekend. You do, you never want to start a one, but, you know, Pete was a, a, ro- a weekend rotation guy at the end of last season, had the 2022 season not been cut short he would have been a rotation guy um, at the end of the 2020 season so I mean he's still facing that he still had success against those lineups that he was facing Um, you know he was spectacular in that Texas Tech game where he had to come in and relief and pitch like eight innings of relief against a weekend Texas Tech team so I mean there's a reason the conference coaches were like that's our preseason pitcher of the um, up the year. So, I mean, if the conference coaches aren't concerned about Pete Hansen, I'm not necessarily concerned. Um, he's pitched well for two seasons. He knows he doesn't have the velocity. He knows he knows what he does well and he knows he has a good defense behind him. So, you know, I guess you don't need to be a strikeout guy when Trey Faltini is right behind you and you know that, you know, anything hitting that hole is good, probably enough. nice. Very um, nice. Yeah, you, know, you know, Pete is Pete. If, the, if they do have an issue and they want to kind of mix around the rotation, it's not like Tristan Stevens behind him is a, a power guy. You know, he's a quick-working, I'm-just-going-to-get-contact-and-get-out-of-here guy. And Tanner, Witt, you know, maybe by the end of the season, Tanner's developed in that Friday guy, and that can mix and match a little bit. But, you know, Pete Hansen's fine. He's been fine for two years, and um, I don't think they're overly concerned that he's not going to strike out 12 like Ty Madden. You know, there's other ways to get through a baseball baseball game, and Pete Hansen's kind of done that these past two years, and he did just fine in, you know, the opening day start, and I expect to see more of that from him going forward.
1: The one thing I would uh, add to the debate is that I would worry a little bit when they get to Omaha if, and not putting them in Omaha already, obviously, but, you know, you're going to get the cream of the cream, you know, at Omaha, if you get there. And it's great having that guy. I forgot. I forgot the guy's name, Mississippi state, the only guy that bowled them down in the first game. And it's good having that or a tie man that can, Boy, you know he's going to strike out ten or more and keep you in that game. And Hanson and Stevens, you're right, Danny. They the, and they pitch to contact, like said, said. They get outs. They're not strikeout pitchers per se, but sometimes it's good to have that one guy. I know when all the years that that Gus and Augie went to Omaha, it's like they'd have that one guy, whether it's. Dressendorfer or Kieschnick or go back to Gideon with and uh, Like man, you felt good that first game because you had a Swindell, you had a stud, and 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 I don't know if that could be a not so much a liability but just a question mark I'd have just to file away, uh, you know, for June. Uh, I I think we'd be remiss before we go to another sport and not mentioning Melendez. Wow, I was. So thoroughly impressed and said you were, I'm sure, watching on TV. Oh, yes, and I was. I, I don't know what Moreland and uh, uh, Zeke said afterward. I interviewed him <laughs> after And, and I'll Zeke, so when they were telling me, he said, Yeah, he hits those. And Keith and I just look at uh, each other and go, Oh, wow.
2: He's not, sw- not swinging
1: hard. No, he's not. such an effortless swing. And he was not just swinging so much hard. hard. But he didn't hit a home run Tuesday night, did he, Danny? So I don't know why he's not hitting a home run every game. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I, this guy—he's stupendous, and I'm going to call him Mr. Melendez the rest of the and, year. And that's what Zeke and
2: and and Keith call him on on LHN. He's Mr. Melendez, and Zeke started that last season. Oh, nice! I, I yeah, he started that last season. I busted out laughing out loud. He's running around the bases, and Celine Dion's my heart will go on from the Titanic starts playing. <laughs> Shout out to the DJ uh, because he is the Hispanic Titanic, one of the worst nicknames in all of sports, and I love it. And look at Danny. already. Too bad we're not on video. He's shaking his head already.
1: The difference uh, is the Titanic went down and his pitches go up, up, up. That's the difference. Yes, they Danny, do. Danny, what do you think? What do you think, Danny? You've seen all the home runs. First off, I'm just going
4: to say on the record that I am never going to refer to him by his nickname. I, you know, if he wants to refer to himself as that, that's fine. But that just seems like one of those things where certain people <laughs> should be able to say that nickname, and other people should not. And I feel like I'm in a well,
2: Danny. Name, so. Well, if the if the rappers say it, why can't you say it? Come uh, on, Danny.
4: But that is just not something I'm gonna. Does I'm he gonna like say, it,
1: Danny? Does he like it? We didn't ask Ivan on. Sunday it.
4: I mean, he seems. I mean, he seems personally fine with it. But once again. You know, there's, there's things I I can say that I'm personally fine with that. If Kirk, you decided to say on this podcast, uh, me and said would, uh, would would take issue with, but, um, Oh
2: my God. It's it's an A or an ER. It doesn't matter. Hispanic, Titanic. He he told me in an interview last year, he goes, he goes, we were lifting weights and we came up with this nickname and I loved it. And I put it in a column and, uh, I didn't. I didn't hear from anyone in the Hispanic community. They're uh, yeah, probably not reading me, but that's okay. I'm going to try to get them on board this season. We got. We got promotions, Daniel. We've got promotions. Very affordable promotions. Hopefully, we can get that reader base going. But
1: he he, he is some good player though, and it looks wonderful. Good as as He's wonderful. Yeah. But he. I mean,
4: he he is a talented, talented slugger, and even we. You know, we joke. I mean, he was over seven. It seems silly to be concerned about being 0 for 7 at the beginning of the season. Um, But, you know, he was the only one that wasn't hitting in that Rice series. And all of a sudden, he gets two moonshots. Bang, bang. You know, drawing drawing walks had a couple of hits last night. And all of a sudden, you know, he's hitting over 300. So, you know, he is going to be the big feared person in the middle of that lineup because just like that, he can all of a sudden – change the complexion of the game. And even if he, I think David said this maybe in this post or someone said in the post game that you know, he can be over 15, he can be over 20 and you still can't just throw one right down the middle because all of a sudden it's going to be, you know, a three run shot to the, to the moon. So, I mean, he's, he just has that talent if he can develop defensively at first base. I mean, you know, yeah. he does have an age issue as far as draft draft status, but I just couldn't see, Someone coming in and lowballing him with that talent. Um I agree. Especially and, if he develops defensively. He could be, you know, the he could be, you know, the the, the sky's the limit or whatever you want to say how far he hits it. So the, moon, just, the, the moon. The moon yeah. yeah.
1: You yeah, know what? And and, need the power of game now. It's, it's 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 hit or miss. It's home or strike now. That's that's major league baseball now.
2: Yeah, and you saw it in Omaha. Just one are yeah. in the bat. You could change it. Yeah. And it's a he's a guy you have to, he is a he's a problem. For yeah. opposition, and yeah. um, and and when when things happen like Rice walking, all those guys, you look up at seventeens coming up, you could be in trouble. So uh, I, I love it, but we we got we got to talk a little bit of of basketball. The Texas women are having a really good season, and Vic Schaefer's not happy because of the
1: attendance. He's never happy. Come on.
2: So they're averaging like, what, Danny, 2,940? hundred
1: forty.
2: Th- Twenty six 26-something. 26-something. 37th in the country in attendance. Fifth in the so Big
5: 12. Fifth in the Big 12. And Vic was asked about this, and this is what Vic said. I get the, the arena is going to be – this is the last year for the arena, but that really doesn't – that has nothing to do with the fact that these kids deserve a whole lot better than what they've gotten. And it's, it's really frustrating. You know, when you can average 9,000 fans a night in a 25,000 person community, we've got what, a couple million? And, and you know, we're, we're where we are right now. It's, it's really disappointing. And, um, you know, it's frustrating for me as a coach. Um, it, it, you know, but so the answer is these kids deserve, they warrant. Great crowds. I mean, you got a top ten basketball team in your community, and you're not even in the top whatever in attendance. That's sad. And and so it's it's very disappointing. It's frustrating for me as a coach. Um, you know, these kids deserve better. They're fun to watch. Uh, I love coaching them, but they play an exciting brand. We ain't out there standing around some high school two three zone playing hope you miss defense. Um, we're playing our rear off. These kids are playing their tail off. They're they're tough. They're aggressive. They're physical. When you walk out of this arena, whether you've got a son or a daughter, you can't help but look at those kids and go, "Hey, I want you to play like Rory Harmon. I want you to play like Audrey Warren. I want you to to play as hard as she does. I want you to be physical and aggressive. I want you to play as hard on both ends as as Joe. You know, I've heard all the excuses." I get all that, but there's no excuse for it. None. And I think we can all share in the responsibility and the accountability of why it hasn't happened. And um, you guys can tell in my voice that's it's a real frustrating part for me. Because it's not like that a whole lot of, you know, everywhere else. It just seems to be an issue here for our team. And that's that's not good. So Danny, uh,
2: he's, written, he's written, Vic has PO'd about this and the message is number one, you don't, you're not in Stark Vegas anymore. And there's not a lot to do in Stark Vegas. So they, they came to those games and he had a, he had all Americans on that team and they play for national titles. This is a new gig. This is a new city. I was at the Iowa state game and I'll daddy. I said, by you, I was shocked. There was no one there. And that's a quality team. Uh. Is, is he making too much of this? And can he not, I mean, is he wasting time trying to control something he cannot control?
4: I mean, he's probably wasting his time um, because this isn't a Vic Schaefer problem. Karen had issues. Um, I wasn't around for Gail, but I'm sure Gail had issues. Um, bringing him people.
2: Yeah, Gail G- was the issue,
4: Betty. Well, go ahead. Um, too soon. But, I mean, there is a long list of excuses and reasons for the attendance. I mean, you, we can't overlook the fact that this is still a pandemic and the Texas women basketball fans tend to be a little bit older. Um, so that may be keeping some people away. Um, Texas non-conference home schedule. Um, I don't know what, what words I'm allowed to say on this podcast, but it, it's not, <laughs> it was not a good, um, non-conference schedule. I mean, and part of that wasn't Vic's fault because they had to go to AM, They had to go to Sanford, um, Arizona. They have to go back to Arizona the next year. So, I mean, some of the games, Tennessee, they had to go to Tennessee. So some of those games that would have been marquee home match- matchups that unfortunately were home matchups last year during the midst of the pandemic just weren't um, on this year's home schedule. Um, but, you know, some of it, is also on the fans, you know, to be quite honest, to be blunt. And I don't care if fans get angry at me saying that. I mean, you have some Texas fans that are just lame. And especially they're lame when it comes to um, women's sports here at Texas. They don't support this women's team. Um, they do not support the volleyball team. I mean, those last couple volleyball matches in the NCAA tournament were incredible. Um, said you were there for for some of those. You saw those. But Jared sure. Elliott was having to beg fans to show up to the first and second round for the number. They're either number one or number two going to the tournament. They're, they're an exciting um, team. They have excellent young women who are excellent young role models. And you're having, having to beg people to show up to, to fill a 4,000 um, seat venue. And to me, that that's just lame. I mean, you'd rather go see Chris Beard, Chris Beard's boring basketball team lose. Um, you, you'll pack into that, but you won't go see a, a winning um, volleyball program, and you know, so part of this is on the fans. Part of this is just you know whatever the excuses are, and then also part of it's on Vic and part of it's on Texas. The promotions have not been spectacular for this team, and you can say what you want about Chris Beard, but that guy is a is a used card salesman. He is, is out there selling his program, selling his team, bringing all of his players to media availabilities, get to know my guys, get to know me, blah blah blah. Invictus has not done that. Uh, you know, they furloughed. Um, an SID who we all really respected and um, appreciated, and Sean Cartel who is no no longer at Texas. He was they great. filled that position just before the season started. So um, our guy, our guy Colin now is playing catch up and trying to get to know the media, trying to get to know his program. Good and guy. That, that's unfortunate because this you you don't have someone selling and Vic's not doing that. You know Vic, you know he half his press conference has been over Zoom. That makes for terrible video for the evening newscasts it makes for terrible interactions between us and his players um there's some players we haven't even met this season and that's unfortunate because you know you get those players out in front of cameras the you know fans get to know them a little bit you know these are all young women who are very engaging very you know they they they're you know good stories and you know unfortunately the the fan base hasn't got to know them um you know we were a little annoyed the other night when we were at the um I guess is the Iowa state game and they took 45 minutes to get to post game. And, you know, while the fans may not care and that's your job, blah, 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 you know, that is going to drive away some media because there's going to be some people who like, why well, do I want to cover this? I'm going to be at the stadium waiting around for, you know, Vick and his players 45 minutes after the game and I can be at home, not doing this. And so I think overall, all this stuff combined probably has something to do with it. I don't know if everything was going swimmingly, if this team would be, um, drawing 5,000 people a game but it does say something that Toledo is drawing more fans in Texas that um, I, I, I had a list there' few really random schools that were out drawing Texas Texas should never be the fifth most um, t- Texas should never be num- number five in the big 12. big twelve in attendance. That's that's embarrassing. That that if you're if you're a Texas fan, you see that you should be embarrassed. Iowa State's always gonna be number one because they love women's basketball and aims, but Baylor should be above Texas because they've been so spectacular recently. But after that, I mean come on. I mean what what are what are you do how can you call yourself a fan and take pride in your burnt orange nation, you know, eyes of Texas, all this nonsense that we've had to deal with for the past two years and then be like, you know, I'm only gonna root for a couple of the teams. Like I, I have some pride, Texas fans. Um, and so I mean you just combine all that stuff. I can see why Vic's upset, but you know, Vic also needs to shoulder some of this blame. CDC needs to shoulder some of this blame. Hey, and, hey, hey, Texas fans need to shoulder some of this blame because it's all, you know, there's a reason why Chris Beard's team, which is ranked lower, and to be honest, I don't think has nearly the March potential. There's a reason why they are outdrawing this um women's team. And it's not just because it's a better brand of basketball, or whatever lame excuse, um, you know, people want to post to my mentions. I'm done. Sorry. That's my, my wife told me to come on here and not ramble. And I just went on for about five minutes, but that's just kind of how I feel about the whole situation. So I'm sorry, honey, don't glare at me while you're listening to this. Chastity. He doesn't know
2: how to control himself. And that's what I told Kirk. That's why he's never going to be on this podcast ever again.
1: Yes, he is. Because let <laughs> me it is. That was. I love that. I, that was as He's great right. He's awesome right. He's right. I've ever heard about the Texas fans and why they do or do not come out. Danny, you know, my hats off to you. You nailed it. It is lame that they don't support them. And yeah, we. They can say, oh, don't tell me how to spend my money. I go, okay. We we shouldn't tell you how to spend your money, but if you're that fan that everybody said, oh we got the best fan base in America. You don't ever hear longhorn athletes or coaches saying we got the best fan base in America because they don't. We know it. And, uh, and part of it is women's basketball. All you got to do is turn on sports center any day of the week and wait and see is there any women's basketball highlights? You don't see some, but it's not like the men. It always looks worse in the urban center because that thing holds 16 and a half thousand. Hopefully, that'll be better than the Moody Center. But, Danny, you're right. I mean, you're right. You're right. I mean, uh, volleyball, they come out for baseball. You know, Danny and I were there for the Rice weekend. And what they have, 21,000, Danny?
4: It's 7,000 plus each each night. Yeah,
1: 21,000 for three games against a bad Rice team. It's great. And, and the weather wasn't great. It was nice, but it, it could be a little chilly. And they love and, They love it. They, they just sport it. It's like it. football and then baseball, and then it's like everything else. And they're kind of coming to the basketball this year because beer's done a great job promoting them from mimosas to parties at the tower to wine and cheese, you know, the whole thing. But it's also because of Texas Tech and Kansas coming in, let's be honest. So, Danny, I, I salute you. I appreciate you touched all the bases. They can do a better job promoting uh, and, and, and and like I say, get to the press conference 10 minutes later. You don't need to hang back with other duties for 45 minutes and then complain about the coverage, okay? You can't always have it both ways. So, Danny, if you need me to give a note to Chastity, I will. Sid and I will both sign off on it. So. I'm not doing it. I'm I will. I will. I, will. I thought Danny- – yes, Chastity, Chastity wow. and
4: Cedric are in lockstep on this. But I actually just looked it up. Toledo is averaging more fans in Texas. Yeah, Middle Tennessee is averaging more fans Ooh. than Texas. and New Mexico is averaging more fans than Texas, and I know people are going to be like, "Well, there's more to do in Austin than there is right. to do in those places." But guess what? You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff to do in a lot of places. You know, this is 2022. We have 4,000 different streaming services. People can inter- have gotten used to entertaining themselves. There's places to eat and go out in all these places, and these people are choosing to go to um, watch basketball. I went to the University of Montana. Montana is averaging 400 less um, fans each game than Texas. And Montana is not good at um, basketball this year. We're we're rebuilding. Lady Grizz are rebuilding. (laughs) Texas is averaging less fans than Mississippi State, which is not good. And Texas A&M, which is having a bad season, Gary Blair's last year. So part of this is on the Texas fans. And, you know, it's not all the pandemic. It's not all Texas. It's not all CDC. But, you know, some of it. A lot of it needs to go to the Texas fan base.
1: And, and and you mentioned not to let UT administration or the staff off the hook do is that we always beg them for story ideas like, hey, here's a really good narrative, a really good storyline you might want to pursue. We don't get that very much and partly because Zoom and the pandemic and all, but we want to tell your stories. Texas. You got a great story, a backstory, please, please let us know because that will Help build your fan base and help the fans connect with the players. So
2: the Longhorn Net the Longhorn Network isn't the only entity that can tell a story. Let us, we have a unique audience. Let us share our talents and 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 help you get your message out. We're not we're not out to get you, Texas.
1: No, we're, we're not,
2: not. We're not out to get you. Danny, yeah. I know we got a we got a few minutes left. Let's hit real quick on fast on softball. Why is softball struggling? <laughs> Last count I looked, it was five straight losses. Danny, when have, when have they ever lost five straight games in softball? And how warm is Mike White's seat all of a sudden?
4: Yeah, they were – I think this was their 10th um, five-game losing streak in school history. I looked it up over the weekend. I think their longest has ever – has been seven. Um so, I mean, they they probably would have taken care of that this, this afternoon if um, that game wasn't canceled by weather against North Texas. But, I mean, it just seems like – I don't know if it's because a lot of the new pieces and they just aren't gelling together. The pitching has not been spectacular. A lot of their um, you know, veteran players just haven't stepped up. But Mike White has to figure this out. Um, fortunately for him, it's a long season. Um, Kirk mentioned baseball earlier. Uh, in the conversation about their 0-3 start last year, and they turned that around and got it together. And it really just matters how they're playing in May as opposed to to February. But I don't know. I don't know how warm Mike White's seat is. I've seen some message boards comments and some Twitter comments saying, you know, maybe he's not the guy. I mean, he still has gotten into the third game of two regional finals. And that 2020 team was a national championship contender before the season got canceled. So, I mean, he's his three... Years here have been pretty good. He's had a slow start to year four. I don't know if it's time to start searching for a new softball coach and ready to burn this down. The guy is allowed to have a, a, bad, a bad stretch in his team before we start thinking that the world is – the sky is falling. But he has his work cut out for him. I mean, the players have to play better. He needs to – He need he, there are things he needs to do better coaching-wise. But I'm not quite ready to say that. It's time to start start a new coaching search here at Texas. No, it's it, not.
1: It's a, it's a little early, and and you mentioned pitching. I mean, boy, it just seemed like softball. You know, baseball pitching very important, obviously, but softball one pitcher. You put a, a Cat Osterman on this team right now. They're not five and six. They might be eleven at all. I don't know. But you look at a UCLA, at Arizona, Oklahoma, and of course Oklahoma hits. Twenty home runs a game, it seems like too. But uh, and they brought in some some young ladies, North Carolina State, uh, Fresno, Sophia Simpson, a freshman from Houston. So he's kind of going through all these because I don't know. You know, Shell Larry Larry was the was the uh, um, the ace last year by uh, not by design, by default almost. Uh, what do you see? Is is there one of these that's has to
4: separate Davy? you think i mean you just look at the stats i mean shea is zero and three with a 10.0 era um hayley docini who came from fresno state and was supposed to be the 1a is 2 and 1 with a 4.2 era yeah. you just have to assume that that's going to get better those shea is not an 0 and 3 with a 10.0 era i yeah. don't know if uh, i've had to go back and look at her stats but i don't know if combined you know her previous three years here that she you know had uh, that rough of a rough of a stretch. So, I mean, you just have to assume that those pitchers are going to get better. Um, Estelle um, Check, I think that's how you pronounce her last name, has been pretty solid this season. Sophia is going to get better as she um, adapts um, to being a freshman at the college level. And, um, you know, uh, Logan, I think is the other, uh, Hulan is the, the other one. Um, you know, she's an experienced veteran pitcher. So you just have to assume that maybe they just played five really good teams and just had a bad weekend. And is this is just a combination of just a disaster week. I mean, their first weekend they weren't bad. I mean, they lost once um, to, to the team that was hosting a tournament and they beat a ranked Clemson team in Florida. So, I mean, maybe the first weekend is more indicative of what this team is. And this past weekend was just a weekend. We're going to look back and be like, man, what happened that weekend? Mike? you know what, that was just a combination of just a bunch of bad things. Or maybe that's what this team is. And, they're going to be in for a long, a long spring over at McCombs, but I mean, we can't really get to read too much into it. You just have to assume those pitchers are going to get better because they're more talented than what their statistics showed from
1: this past year. Were they the aces at their former schools, NC State and uh, Fresno?
4: Um, I don't know about um, Estelle or Logan, but I mean, Haley was, I mean, Haley was a, um, I don't know if she was all American, a straight all American or all American honorable mention, but she was her conferences pitcher of the year. Um, okay. She was expected. I mean, her and um, Shay were both um, showing up on those like preseason watch lists, the USA today right. list. Um, you know, they were expected to, you know, play well and they just have not gotten up to a good start and, you know, it happens.
1: And one last thing, Mackenzie Parker, does she have nine home runs already? <laughs> I don't think it's at, at nine. I can, I, I can look it up. Mackenzie's a bat. I and
4: mean, she um she is, uh, yeah, I don't think she's at. She's She's only had one home run so far. So oh, I'm you, what are you looking at?
1: I, I thought she was Ivan Melendez. Sorry.
4: So I mean, Mackenzie's a big bat in their lineup, and they're going to need right. her to continue to produce. And um, whether she's playing first base or shortstop, I mean, they need her. They need her bat because she showed last year that, um, if she gets going, she, she is on a tear and she's going to be probably the most, her and Mary, probably the two most potent bats in that lineup. Well, we're,
2: we're, we're going to call it there. great press box ramblings from Daniel Davis. It was, Sorry, worth the, it was worth, <laughs> it was worth the six year wait and <laughs> hopefully we will do it again. And hopefully, uh, uh, president Biden will still be alive by the time we do the next one because he's up That's- there. He's By the bummer.
1: time I finish talking. Don't be such a stranger, Danny. You know where we live. You know where we are. Come see us more, okay? Now you're a regular. Okay. We're glad we'll to have you. Glad to have you. Shout out
2: to Chaz. Shout out to Chuck Davis. And thank you for for Daddy Davis for sharing a little insights with us. We'll do it again soon, brother. Thank you, man.
4: On Second thought.
2: Duck, always great to chop it up with Claudio Reyna and our brother Daniel Davis. But, uh, you know, great local content on this week's podcast. You can't beat local, Duck. Um, but let's talk a little bit of national. I hope they don't get mad at us. Um, Juwan Howard lost his yes. mind yes. against Michigan, against Wisconsin. Uh, and if you hadn't heard, he, he and the Wisconsin coach uh, guard had got into it uh, because Juwan didn't like that they called a timeout with 15 seconds left up, double digits. And he, he goes, I've got to remember that.
1: But, co- Go ahead. But he was pressing, and he had his starters in the game, Juwan Howard. So it wasn't like he gave up. So it's like, come on. You're pressing and you got your starters in, it's still a ball game, okay? You cannot have your
2: cake and eat it too, Juwan Howard. And exactly. I know that there are people that are calling for his neck. He got suspended for the rest of the regular season and will be back for the Big Ten tournament and the NCAAs if they get in. He shouldn't but, be. Though. But he shouldn't be. You can't put your hands, you can't you can't throw a punch.
1: No, he threw a punch, yeah. It was more than putting your hands on. That's what guard, the Wisconsin coach, was trying to do, not in a violent or belligerent way or hostile way, just trying to explain it. you know. And he, he said, well, I'm from Chicago. This is how we do it on the south side, and I'm a Michigan man. Well, maybe you shouldn't be a Michigan man <laughs> if you're going to act like this. And furthermore, this is a year after he threatened to kill Mark Turgeon, the Maryland coach. In in the handshake light afterwards, so it's not very mature behavior.
2: If I'm Juwan Howard, if I'm his bosses, I'm gonna like, all right, Juwan, you've got you've got the next three weeks off.
4: <laughs> how about
2: favor, some how, how about some anger management courses to Thank save you. your job, or or you can just go because that is not that is not a behavior that that should be a uh, coach shouldn't act that way. These guys are educators, and when I say a coach is an educator, you're teaching your young men how to live. And Jawan right. Howard's been a good guy. Uh, he was a solid guy in the long NBA career. He was a solid guy in college at Michigan, but he's, he's got to figure out how to, how to make that fuse a little longer because it was a bad look. Now, Duck, I gotta ask you this before we get out of here. Um, there are people out there that real that are talking like about we should get rid of the handshake line. I think that is the biggest load of BS that I've that I've ever heard. You don't get rid of the handshake line because this is supposed to be sports, and sports is supposed to be sportsmanlike. After it's over, Duck. Now I'm go, I'm I'm coming after you as hard as I can during the game, but once it's over, suck it up. If you kick my butt, fine. But you, but then you shake my hand and we go on to the next
1: one. They do the handshake line in the hockey. You can't get any more physical than that. <laughs> Those are guys that want to take your 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 head off and rearrange your your teeth, and and they go through a handshake line and. Uh, Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mentioned that in my nine things this week. It was, I ran yesterday's paper, hook'em.com. You can get it for what, 22 bucks for six months or a great deal. You need to go on there. So we need to pitch that. But uh, Vic Schaefer, who we just talked about with Danny Davis, you know, had his own issue with Texas tech in the, in the uh, handshake lineup in Lubbock. So it's like, remember who the adults are here. Keep your composure. You are the role models for these players that you coach. And this, and Joan Howard is just lucky as hell because this is his second offense. And a lot of people don't get three chances. And it's lucky for him that he is a Michigan man and they love him up there. But, and I couldn't believe they, they find a guard, the Wisconsin coach, 10 G's. You know, what, what did he do? I don't think he did anything.
2: Well, I, I don't either, but I, I I did read that he was staring down Juwan and, and Michigan as they left the court. <laughs> what is oh, what? But well, what, whatever, Man. whatever Man. on that. Man.
5: But on that
2: handshake line, listen to what Tom is though. The the legendary Michigan State coach had to say about this.
0: That to me would be the biggest farce, joke, ridiculous nature of anything I've ever heard of. We've already taught these poor 18-year-olds that when, when, you know, you're told to go to class and you don't like it, you can leave. We've already told these kids if you're not happy, you can do something else. We've already told these kids that it's hard to hold them accountable. And now we're going to tell them to not man up and walk down a line on somebody who's kicked your... But and have enough class to shake their hand is utterly ridiculous so if the president said it I think he's full of it if the best coach in America said it I think that gets me way more than this incident because we're already teaching these kids nothing and then we're going to do something like that perfectly put uh, he gets it he has won at the highest
2: level. And I watched Tom Izzo's Michigan State team get their doors blown off Tuesday night by Fran McCaffrey's Iowa team. And guess what? He shook hands with Fran McCaffrey after the game. He did. <laughs> he's and he lost-
1: coach. I love Izzo. I love it. Because he's got that fire. But he also knows, you know, hopefully how to contain it, you know. Maybe it's – I don't know. That was just uh, – I mean, do you think he should have been fired? Juwan Howard, third, um, second offense?
2: No, I think he should have been set down for the rest of this season, all yeah. of it, all a of whole, it, but yeah. not fired, not yeah. fired, not fired. Yeah. But, but. But, you, but you don't throw a punch. I mean, you just um, – and you know what? He, he opened his hand at the last second. He knows he shouldn't have done it, yeah. and, and he had a chance to de-escalate. He was like – there had like four guys in front of him, and he had to kind of reach across those guys to throw a punch. You just can't do that, Juwan. I know it's a high-pressure game. I know emotions are on edge. You can't throw a punch.
1: And here's – it's wrong with the face. You and I both agree with that. And we're not trying to be the morality police here. But several – I don't know how many, maybe four players were suspended a game. Yes. And that's the other problem. It's not just, oh, Juwan, you need to, you know, act more materially. You're representing Michigan and your players – You don't know where that leads. You don't know if people are coming off the bench. We all remember the malice at the Palace. That was ugly. You don't know. Fans could spill out. You could have players cold cocking other players, and then their season's gone, and that's the the thing. It's not just wrong in the face. It's what could have happened. You could have instigated a a whole brawl where guys are coming (laughs) off the bench and getting hurt.
2: And none of that happens if Juwan Howard keeps his composure. His Thank kids you. were were fine. Absolutely. His kids were fine. So, Absolutely. well, we will be we, we will be discussing that and all other matter of sports next week in our own Second Thought podcast. Uh, that will do it for episode 251. We will see you next time. For the Duck, I'm said Golden. Later. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.